BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. The U.S. daily COVID-19 death toll is now the lowest it has been in over a year, but you wouldn't know it by listening to the Fauci-eyed fear mongers. So when exactly do these feckless bureaucrats expect to let us return to normal? Friends, it's time for Hold the Line. Welcome to Hold the Line, I'm Buck Sexton. So the overall numbers are actually really good. If you look nationally at deaths from COVID, look at hospitalizations, they're trending in exactly the direction we want them to. There have been some places, notably New York where I am, where they've had short-term spikes in cases, but that hasn't translated into large numbers of increased hospitalizations nationally or a large number of uh, casualties from the virus. In fact, we're at the lowest point we've been for daily deaths since last June. So things are certainly moving in the direction we want them to. And now's the time, not in three months, not in six months, to ask, okay, when are things at the place where we can finally say enough's enough and we're actually going to get our lives back? That means no more mask mandates anywhere. That means no more social distancing requirements. Now, they can argue and say, hold on, no, no, we're, we're, we're not there yet, right? That we, we can't do this. And of course, they're going to say that. All right, if, if we're going to have that conversation, and we should, I'm willing to hear them out on it, but we should all then ask, when does all this stuff stop? What are the numbers? You're saying it's based on data. You're saying it's based on uh, the science. What does it look like? If they say something like 100% of the country's vaccinated, that's insane. That's probably never going to happen. So we need to start to force their hand because you'll notice they keep saying just a little bit longer, just a little bit longer. Let's remember that it was just over a year ago that they told us we needed to lock down for two weeks and then it was two more and two more and two more and lockdowns extended on and off for a year. So we can't take them at their word when they say, just be patient, leave it to us especially given all the absurd and catastrophically bad decisions they've made at various critical points in the pandemic. Here is the White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on just be a little more patient with us. There are Americans across the country who are doing exactly what the president is telling them not to do. Mm -hmm. Is the message, are Americans not hearing this or are they hearing it and ignoring it? You know, I think the president recognizes that this has been a long and difficult journey for the American public. Uh, we've been, uh, the country has been shut down in one form or another for more than a year now. And people have missed birthday parties, weddings, baseball games, uh, going out to restaurants. It is difficult. It is hard. And what he's asking people to do is to sacrifice a little bit longer. How much longer? Until when? Oh, until they say so? You really want to sign on for that tyranny? You really want to wait until Fauci says the coast is clear? These are people that have told you things in the past, like mask up between bites at a restaurant, because that's really going to save you from COVID, or anyone else for that matter. These are people who have lost credibility many times over, 
And it's just when we tell you it's safe to go out, then you can do it. Well, the problem they're going to have is that there are some states where people, notably Texas and Florida, are already saying, all right, en enough of your insanity. We're just going to live our lives like normal people and, and see what happens. They've been doing that in Texas for over a month now. And guess what? It's working out just fine. Cases going down, vaccinations going up, the state's open for business. So places like New York and California that are still clinging to this Fauciism, I mean, are they rooting for a comeback? What is wrong with them? At, wh at what point are they actually willing to say that we can't do this to ourselves as a society anymore? What, when are they willing to admit that we've crossed that threshold? Well, you could also just wait for Dr. Fauci to come up with all the answers. This guy's, oh, he's such a, such a brilliant man, the Fauci. Here he is when asked, why is Texas doing just fine? Play it. It can be confusing because you may see a lag and a delay because often you have to wait a few weeks before you see the effect of what you're doing right now. You know, there, there are a lot of things that go into that. I mean, when you say that they've they've had a lot of uh, activity on the outside, like ball games, I'm not really quite sure. It could be they're doing things outdoors. You know, it's very difficult to just one on one compare that. You just have to see in the long range. I hope they continue to tick down. If they do, that would be great. But there's always the concern when you pull back on methods, particularly things like indoor dining and bars that are crowded, you can see a delay and then all of a sudden tick right back up. There's always the concern, Fauci says. Okay. You know that New York City, for example, did a pretty in-depth analysis and found that they thought about 1% of COVID cases were coming from indoor dining, about, about 1%. So if restaurants have all reopened in Texas, guess what? You, you wouldn't be able to really tell anyway based on the New York analysis. So why did we close them in the first place? Because of the possibility of maybe reducing cases 1% for a limited period of time? That doesn't mean that that means that there are less people in the aggregate over the course of a year that are getting infected. It just means they may be getting infected in a different place at a different time. But Fauci's never going to admit that he just doesn't know, doesn't have an answer. Because let's remember the standard that they were holding Texas to. It was what they're doing is dumb, anti-science, and reckless. Now we're not two weeks, four weeks into this. And guess what? Texas is, not only is it doing well, it's actually doing better than places like New York and California and Illinois and Michigan that still have much more restrictive policies in place. So what are they getting from those more restrictive policies? They've had spikes in some of those states like New York. Do they have any answers about this? No. The good news, though, is that really this is all tied in to politics for the lockdowners. And that's been terrible for the country and certainly was terrible all throughout 2020. But in this one case, that actually may be helpful. Because if vaccine passports, I can assure you, were only a, an issue for MAGA hat-wearing, Trump-supporting Republicans... Democrats, the Biden administration, they would mandate it in every way. They would lock people up for not having the proper vaccine passport if they had to. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Whatever tyranny that's necessary, they'd say it's to keep you safe. But the problem the Democrats have with this is that a lot of vaccine hesitancy is among members of the minority community. And those often, and, and certainly a, uh, a strong majority, tend to be Biden voters. So they don't want to slap everyone in the face that has vaccine hesitancy by making vaccine passports a national mandate. 
because there'll be actual Democrats. There'll be a lot of minority Democrats in particular who suffer as a result of that. So they're saying, well, we, the federal government, won't do it, but it's complicated because that doesn't mean they're not in favor of it from the private sector. Here is Fauci, a little tyrant, on vaccine passports, not coming from the feds. I doubt that the federal government will be the main mover of a vaccine passport concept. They may be involved in making sure things are done fairly and equitably, but I doubt if the federal government is going to be the leading element of that. I do believe that there will be individual entities that will do that. There may be theaters that say you don't get in unless you have proof of vaccination. There may be colleges or, or, or other educational institutions that do that. I'm not saying they should or that they would, but I'm saying you could foresee how an independent entity might say, well, we can't be dealing with you unless we know you're vaccinated, but it's not going to be mandated from the federal government. Shouldn't people that are vaccinated not worry? Isn't, isn't that the way we should be able to think about this? They, they, they should have their anxiety dialed way down. Um, but no, Fauci is saying, yeah, you know, there's going to be some, I don't know, maybe, maybe there'll be some private businesses that insist you have a vaccine passport. A year ago, this was considered a crazy idea. We'd never get to that point because we value our freedom and individual dignity and not so much, not with the politicization of this that's gone on. Anyway, we'll have an actual MD, which I am not joining us here in a second to talk about this. Dr. David Samadhi is going to take a closer look at Texas's, not surprising to me, success story following its relaxation of COVID restrictions. Stay with us for that. This must end. It is now time to open Texas 100%. Effective next Wednesday, all businesses of any type are allowed to open 100%. Also, I am ending the statewide mask mandate. It's been 27 days since the great state of Texas returned to freedom and some sense of normalcy. They've reopened 100% of their businesses and ended a controversial statewide mask mandate. Must be nice. But remember when mainstream media and leftist Fauci lovers out there had a meltdown over government, uh, Governor Abbott's decision to reopen, saying he was putting Texans in danger? And President Biden called the move Neanderthal thinking. Well, turns out, when you look at these numbers, there's a plot twist. New cases of COVID-19 in Texas are down 30.5% since the state reopened on March 10th. And now look at that. The number of COVID hospital patients is down 37.1% since that reopening. Texas didn't, quote, follow the science, end quote. They reopened, ditched the masks, and they're thriving, at least the mask mandate. So why aren't more states following suit? Here to discuss Dr. David Samadhi, author of The Ultimate Manual. Dr. Samadhi, good to see you. Good to be with you. Thank you. Any surprise to you that Texas has gotten rid of some of these lockdown situations, some of the mandates and cases are still just plummeting? Well, those graphs that you just showed are really, really important. And it just tells you, if you were going to start running an experiment, you have New York, New Jersey, and many different states that have been on lockdown and then continuous closing the restaurants, the, the economy, versus places like Florida or Texas as a control group for that experiment, 
you realize that there's no need for any of the things that we did. All these mask mandates and lockdowns, it actually like increased the number of hospitalization. It increased more death and more issues. These states like, like Texas that you showed, they're building herd immunity. They're uh, building more defense against this virus. And they were able to save their economy and prevent a lot of casualties, secondary complications, all this anxiety and death and loss of their uh, economy, et cetera. So I think that model is a much better model. We're finding out that they're doing really well. And I wish our state of New York and New Jersey and other places will follow the same lead. It's working very well for them and they're very lucky. Now, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Samadhi, was asked about what's happened in Texas. We have the numbers, we have the data, it's quite clear. So people wanna know what's the explanation for this, especially considering Governor Newsom, for example, of California, said of Governor Abbott in Texas's decision that it was reckless. Fauci said that this would lead to a surge, that this is not the time to do this, it's wrong. That was then, we have the data now. Here's Fauci's explanation of how we got to this place. Play it. It can be confusing because you may see a lag and a delay because often you have to wait a few weeks before you see the effect of what you're doing right now. I'm not really quite sure. It could be they're doing things outdoors. You know, it's very difficult to just one-on-one compare that. You just have to see in the long range. We've been fooled before by situations where people begin to open up, nothing happens, and then all of a sudden, several weeks later, things start exploding on you. So we gotta be careful we don't prematurely judge that. To me, it just sounds like babble. I mean, there's many different versions of a really non-explanation for what's happened here coming from Dr. Fauci. What's true and what's not here, Doc? Well, Dr. Fauci is an infectious disease physician. You're not going to hear from him uh, not to wear a mask. You're not going to hear from him like, you know, the game is over, COVID is ended, and you can go out and have a normal life. So, you know, you, you don't wait for that to come. But, you know, what basically he's saying is that he doesn't really know why Texas is doing so well. We don't need to wait as to why. The reason is because people already have built antibodies. This is not the same COVID from like a year ago where we didn't have any treatment. We didn't know who he was affecting. Remember, 99% of people recover from this. Go back to the same statistics that we had a year ago. Majority of the people do very, very well. Again, if you're over 65, you have cardiac issues, you have high blood pressure, diabetes, obesity, you gotta be careful. But then guess what? They got vaccinated, they have antibodies, they have protections, they have T cell immunity, and they have their protection. So I think the, the, the worst part is behind us. I think that you know um, he needs to look at the data, he needs to really give good information to public and boost the self-confidence of this country so we can go back to our normalcy. You cannot be in mask for the rest of your life. I worry, Doc, that that's what we're heading toward here, that they'll say, well, maybe we'll relieve some of the mask mandate for some period of time, but it'll always be lingering in the background, maybe even to prevent flu season or to prevent flu and COVID season this coming winter time. There'll be the reintroduction of mass masking as a policy. And, and to that end, I, I just, I want to ask you, because I'm amazed here in New York City, how many people I see walking alone outdoors with masks on. I even see people driving in cars alone with the windows down, not that that matters, with masks on. 
why won't Fauci come out and say, it's actually not necessary to wear masks if you are alone or if you're outdoors and you're not in very close proximity having you know, a long conversation with somebody. Why can't he say it? I mean, is there science that I'm missing here? Is there some data set that shows that outdoor mask wearing is necessary because there's a really substantial transmission risk? Not at all. In fact, you and I have spoken about this even like six months ago. We talked about the fact that if you're in the beach all by yourself or there's nobody near you, you don't really need to wear this mask because it doesn't have any effect. It doesn't really help you. I have seen the same type of people in the car, closed windows, all by themselves wearing a mask, and it doesn't make much of a sense. So I completely agree with you. And I think either this is becoming a habit for people, which should not be, or it doesn't make any sense. And I think he should come out and really like tell exactly the facts so people know exactly what they're doing. These masks are not helpful when you're by yourself or out in the breeze when there's a nice uh, wind and the great weather out there with summer coming up. Um, I think this is the hard part of it and the worst part of it is behind us. And a lot of good news will come in the next few weeks to months. Do you think, Doc, that there'll be more uh, MDs like yourself who has as a, a much larger percentage of the country is now vaccinated, the cases are going down, they'll be willing to come out and say en enough is enough. We actually have to let people go back and live their lives now. Or is there still uh, too much fear, you think, within the medical profession for people to speak out? No, I think there, of course, there's always a concern where they work and how the, the administration is going to react to what they say. But more and more doctors are, are really understanding that um, that this is a manageable disease. Majority of the people do very well. We have medical treatment, we have vaccines, and uh, and they are very much optimistic like myself. But, you know, unfortunately they have their own personal opinion and everybody has like their own political views, but you have to put that aside. When you talk to them privately, they realize that, you know, we are heading the right way and we're leading the world in the vaccinations. We have great technology, we have great vaccines. Um, and also, again, a lot of people have gotten this, like yourself, who have antibodies and they're immune from this. So um, I think we're turning the corner. I think there's no room for panic and all these like fear I, that was- I just was gotta ask, Doc, before we let you go also, I mean, so you pointed out, I've recently had COVID, I've now recovered, I'm now negative on the test, I'm, I'm, I'm all good to go. Uh, is it? Does science tell us that people who have natural antibodies and T-cell immunity really need to get vaccinated? It seems like all the old rules are being changed here. What, what should we know? I think uh, based on all the conversations I've had with in some infectious disease, they basically say that if you have antibodies, you, sh you don't need to get a vaccine. But I understand that Dr. Fauci is recommending this vaccine to even people like yourself. I think uh, we need that remains to be seen. If you already have gotten it, in theory, you should have antibodies. You can help other people. You are protected. So the, the vaccine is not going to really help so much. This idea about the antibodies being washed away or three months from now, you're not going to have any more protection, etc. I'm not sure how scientific it is and how accurate that science is. You should check your antibody three months. Let's do another segment and find out exactly where you are. I promise you probably will have your antibodies even then. You can also check the level of your antibodies and see how strong it is and uh, monitor that for yourself. And as long as you have that protection, in theory, you are good and you don't need a vaccine. All right, Just Dr. Like Samadhi, good to see you. We, we'll, we'll try to follow up on that. We'll actually see where we are. Thanks so much for joining.
Please let us know. Thank you so much. Major League Baseball has announced a new state to host its All-Star Game after pulling out of Georgia, and the irony of their choice is off the charts. We've got the details for you in tonight's Buck Brief. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Major League Baseball has announced a new venue for its All-Star Game after its decision to ditch the state of Georgia over new voting laws there, or new voting law SB202. The annual event will now be held at Coors Field in Denver, Colorado. So you think Colorado has got to have much less restrictive voting laws than Georgia, right? Nope. Ironically, the state Major League Baseball chose to teach Georgia a lesson about voting restrictions has rules that are just as restrictive as Georgia's, if not more so. That's right, you can't make this stuff up, but we got more on it for you. The details in the Buck Brief. Jim Crow on steroids is what Joe Biden called SB202, the new law in Georgia that Oh, says things like, if you're going to have voter ID for in-person voting, you should probably have it for people that are voting absentee. And you probably shouldn't just send out ballots to anyone as though they're not, even if they haven't asked to be absentee voters, because you have live ballots that are floating around now. These are some very basic ideas here. Joe Biden, the president of the United States, said that it was Jim Crow on steroids. So he's telling you that it's worse than the history of legal racism that went on after the Civil War particularly in the American South, not entirely and only in the American South, but particularly in the American South uh, that involved segregated uh, schools and water fountains and, and all kinds of the most e evil and racist laws in our country's history. This law in Georgia, Joe Biden says, is worse than that. So if you want to know what a, a dishonest moron Joe Biden is, he's already proven that to you beyond any reasonable doubt. But now you have all these woke corporations that have weighed in on this as well, and they've put a lot of pressure on Georgia to do something about this. Georgia, of course, is... Now, when I say Georgia, we're talking about Republicans in Georgia. This is not a both-sides issue. Uh, and they're punishing the state. It's going to cost about $100 million of lost revenue for ma when Major League Baseball now has pulled the All-Star Game from Atlanta. Um, keep in mind, Atlanta is a majority black city in a state, it's the largest city in a state that just went for two Democrat senators and a Democrat for president in Joe Biden. So they're punishing the state of Georgia, and really they're trying to do this to show Republicans something, by punishing Atlanta and a state that just went for Democrat, moving it to Colorado. And as some people are pointing out now, that's interesting because if what they're doing in Georgia is Jim Crow on steroids, what is the existing voting regime in Colorado like? Turns out it's a little bit more restrictive, or perhaps you could argue right on par with Georgia. So what exactly is the benefit here? Georgia, uh, sorry, uh, Colorado has uh, all voters who vote at the polls must provide identification. If you're voting by mail for the first time, you may also need to provide a photocopy of your identification when you return your mail-in ballot. So they have not just voter ID for voting in person,
but also for first-time absentee voters providing a copy of your identification with the ballot, which is the kind of regulation, the kind of security measure, integrity measure for voting that now you have in the state of Georgia. So why is it evil in Georgia, but it's okay in Colorado? Major League Baseball obviously hasn't really thought this one through, but don't you see, it's about taking action. This is Saul Alinsky-style mobilization of the masses without any real concern for truth, honesty, decency, or what's really going on. It's about getting people to feel like they're a part of something so that they're moving for what your side tells them to move for. Right? You mobilize, and then you have a mobilized group. Now they have a lot of virtue signaling they can engage in. Look at us. We pulled a baseball game. See, we got a victory here. We got the Major League Baseball game pulled from Georgia. It doesn't matter that it's just going to another state that has the same laws. And it doesn't matter how stupid this whole thing is because there's nothing wrong with the laws in the state of Georgia. They're not unconstitutional. They are not racist. They're just making some very understandable, reasonable changes to existing laws in the state of Georgia, which is what states are supposed to be able to do. They're supposed to be able to make determinations about what kind of laws they want to have in an election, how they want their elections to function. But Democrats hate this idea. They hate it so much. Um, and also, you know, the one law that got so much attention, the change, I should say, within the law in Georgia, was they're not even going to bring water to people in line. That's what we were told. Not even going to bring water to people in line. It's not really true. We already dealt with that yesterday. It turns out you can bring water and food to people. It just has to be 150 feet, which is not that far. You know, I don't think anyone's gonna die of starvation or thirst because they couldn't walk 100 feet in Georgia, uh, the state obviously, not the country, okay? Things are gonna be just fine here. Uh, that They can't walk 100 feet to get the food and the water, so something terrible's gonna happen or it's so, well, this is discriminatory in some way. Turns out they actually can get self-serve water under this law. Why are we even talking about this? Well, because Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden and the mainstream media, they made a huge deal of this. Colorado's water law, turns out campaign workers are allowed outside of polling places to offer water, snacks, and other items to voters who are waiting to vote. These comfort teams, however, may not campaign or wear any apparel or accessories bearing the name or image of a candidate, political party, or ballot measure if they operate within 100 feet of the polling place. So yes, campaign workers can just hand out food and drink to people if they want to. They can't electioneer. That's the whole reason for the Georgia law too. And they're saying that campaign workers can give people water. I have to check and see if food's allowed too, but they can give people water. And they can set up 150 feet from the polling place, which is not that far, and get whatever food and water they want. They just don't want people being harassed in line to vote for one candidate or another with inducements in hand. You know, here's a cookie, vote for my guy. Here's a cupcake, vote for my girl. Whatever it may be. Is it, and that's, remember, Joe Biden, Jim Crow on steroids. Joe Biden is a deceitful moron. Uh, Senator Tim Scott pointed this out too. Georgia voter ID, 17 days of early voting. Colorado voter ID and 15 days of early voting. So you get more early voting in Georgia Atlanta's 51% black, Denver's 9.2% black. The MLB is moving the Major League Baseball All-Star Game out of Atlanta, which has more day of voting rights than Colorado. The Wokes are at it again. Yeah, they don't care that they lied about this. They don't care that they were wrong and this is stupid 
And even the president himself, Joe Biden, is standing right behind this, as Jen Psaki explains. Is there a sense of regret that perhaps he tipped the scale uh, with his rhetoric, uh, even if he doesn't have a direct uh, cause and effect? Well, he was answering a direct question during an interview with ESPN about the opening day baseball, something everybody, not everybody, most people in the country appreciate and enjoy. And he was simply conveying that he would support that decision if that decision was made by Major League Baseball, just like he would support decisions made by private sector companies. Mm, Stands behind it. Stands behind the reckless demagoguery he used here to get the Democrat base all fired up. So they moved from one state to another, the state they moved to for Major League Baseball, more restrictive. Oh, gee. At least two governors have now taken action to prevent the implementation of COVID vaccine passports in their states, but many on the left continue to argue that they're necessary for a return to normalcy. Illinois congressional candidate Kathleen Lauf is going to give us her take when she comes back. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Government should not require any Texan to show proof of vaccination and reveal private health information just to go about their daily lives. That is why I issued an executive order that prohibits government-mandated vaccine passports in Texas. We will continue to vaccinate more Texans and protect public health, and we will do so without treading on Texans' personal freedoms. Texas Governor Greg Abbott following in the footsteps of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis in taking aim at COVID-19 vaccine passports. Many Republicans have condemned this idea as transgressing on individual rights, but some argue that mandating these passports could speed up the reopening of international travel, among other things. Is this just another move by the government to gain control? What's really going on here? You're to weigh in Illinois congressional candidate, Catalina Lauf. Catalina, good to see you again. Good to see you too, Buck. Thanks Let's for having me. Vac- vaccine passports, because look, I, I, I want normalcy, but I also want freedom. Um, without weighing in here because you're the guest you're supposed to tell us what you think what's your take on the vaccine passport debate we've got states now that are saying even private companies aren't allowed to have vaccine passports every republican member of congress every republican senator every republican governor should be vehemently fighting this this is a gross infringement on individual liberty health care privacy you name it uh, it's orwellian in fact and i'm really proud to see uh, governors desantis and abbott taking the charge on this you know coming from a state like illinois with governor jb pritzker who has shown nothing but uh tyrannical mechanical characteristics when it comes to COVID-19. It's really great to see Republican states fighting this and hope that it doesn't come to Democrat states or federally on top of that. It's a gross infringement. And it's sad that this is even being brought up. The fact that this is even a possibility is incredibly concerning uh, to free people. You know, I remember about a year ago, People would start to whisper about the possibility of vaccine passports down the line. We were told by some of the uh, more concerned voices that we might be masking up for, oh, I don't know, another year max. 
Now people are saying we're going to we're going to mask up to the end of this year. You have to mask up after you get the vaccine. And oh, vaccine passports are already being uh, implemented in places like New York. So how do you think this is going to play out? I mean, are are, are we just going to have states that continue on with the the Fauciite consensus and and others that that are free, or is the federal government going to weigh in? What do you see happening? You know, I think ultimately this is an incredibly uniting point from an electorate perspective. I mean, Americans from all walks of life, um, when it starts really impacting personal lives and the way that COVID did, when you look at lockdowns, how it affected small business owners, it didn't matter. Um, it wasn't about politics. And ultimately, I think this is a uniting factor that Americans that want to keep their liberty, no matter what side of the aisle they're on, are ultimately going to push back on this. And you're already seeing kind of that type of uh, verbiage coming out from the administration, the Biden administration that at first was floating this idea. Now they're not sure. Uh, and finally, you have, you know, the governors DeSantis and Abbott taking stand. So I think ultimately uh, the Democrats are completely overplaying their hand on this. This is a gross infringement. And I don't think it'll play well on them at all, considering they were even floating this idea. Uh, Americans uh, should all be very concerned with something like this. And I think they're going to push back uh, entirely. And I I think we'll see that in elections to come, not only in 2022, uh, but in 2024. Look, if you're a Republican member of Congress uh, or a senator not talking against this, uh, you're going to be in a really big problem, uh, have some troubles coming up in a campaign. You've seen some Republicans not talking against this. My opponent, uh, Adam Kinzinger, has not uh, denounced this. He actually said it's not communist uh, to, to impose something like this. So uh, they're going to have a real price to pay when it comes to the messaging on this and how it's infiltrating on individual liberties. Catalina, I want to transition to another major national topic right now. It has been for months, the ongoing crisis at the border. Uh, Jen Psaki spoke about some limited border wall construction funding. I want to play that clip for our audience. When the administration took office, as you referenced, funds had been diverted from congressionally appropriated military construction projects uh, and other appropriated purposes toward building the wall. And wall construction was being challenged in multiple lawsuits, in, for, for much of the wall, I should say, not all of it, by plaintiffs who allege serious environmental and safety issues. Under those circumstances, uh, federal agencies are continuing to review wall contracts and develop a plan to submit to the president soon. It is, it is paused. Uh, there is uh, some limited construction that has been funded and allocated for, but it is uh, otherwise paused. It's like a, a little bit of wall construction still is going on, according to the White House here. Maybe the Biden administration should rethink their whole approach. But Catalina, I'm not going to hold my breath on that. You know, are they uh, silently admitting that the wall was a good idea? I mean, considering what's happening there, uh, there it's absolutely tragic and at the expense of, you know, innocent kids. This has become a business to drug traffickers, sex traffickers, labor traffickers. I read recently where in just February alone, uh, the trafficking business was at $400 million. And I call it a business because that's exactly what it is. When you have this lawlessness and when you are not enforcing law and order at a place like the border, well, then, of course, these criminals are going to say, well, 
if this isn't being enforced, then this allows an opportunity and they are being incentivized because of the Biden administration. Under the Trump administration, the policies actually worked and you weren't seeing a crisis uh, like this. And it's absolutely sad that it's got, it's come to this point. But you know, the, the Biden administration made a clear political decision uh, on this and they are the only ones that can, can solve it currently. So why don't they come up with something that actually is going to work and, and crack down on what's going on in the border? It's, it's awful. It is an awful, awful problem that's happening right now, Buck. You mentioned the border crisis and, and the uh, humanitarian situation there. There are also security concerns that are in the background of all of this as well. Uh, recently, it came out that two Yemeni men, two guys from Yemen, were arrested crossing over at our southern border, and they are on the FBI's terror watch list. These are clearly military-aged males from Yemen crossing our southern border. So for anybody who thinks that this is just an issue of Central American family units or unaccompanied minors, Catalina, it seems that we've got proof, as if we needed more of it, that there's also a, a security risk to having Border Patrol and Immigration and Customs Enforcement spread so thin right now. You're absolutely right. And you know what? This has been going on for, for years prior to uh, actually the crackdown at the border that we saw in the Trump administration. You know, I've had the, the opportunity to go into um, uh, prisons to see ICE detainees. And what I was told by uh, these particular agents is that a lot of the people, the ICE detainees, aren't even from Central America. They're from um, the Middle East. They are, they some have terrorist uh, ties. And to just sit there and say that you're right, that this is just a humanitarian crisis, there is a clear, clear uh, impact when it comes to the safety of Americans. And those those things are not talked about. Uh, you only, you know, you only hear the, the messaging of the Central American and the, the Mexican and Guatemalan and Honduran immigrants, but you're right. And, and we need to show the facts and we need to show that there is a clear issue happening down there, ultimately at the expense uh, of uh, the, the safety of Americans. And it's happening in every single, you look at any county jail in any state, uh, you ask where the ICE detainees are coming from and you'd be shocked at, at where they're coming from, the countries and the ties that they have. Catalina, good to see you. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks so much for having me. A young woman has a meltdown over the lack of social distancing in an elevator. We're going to have video for you in Quick Hits up next. A meltdown over social distancing on an elevator and a BLM activist promises that cities will burn if they don't get the desired outcome in the trial of Derek Chauvin. Got those stories in Quick Hits. Let's get to it. First off, social distancing. This is a fancy way of saying avoid contact with other human beings. I mean, they, they give it a scientific sounding phrase, but social distancing just means avoid people, like stay away from people, which we've all known for sick people, right? If you have the flu or you have a bad cold, you stay away from people, but this is for everybody. But it's not really possible. It's not really enforceable. And yet there are still all these different things like here's where your feet go in the elevator. We have that all over New York. Or, in parks, they'll put little circles. Here's where you are out in the grass. Here's your circle for where you can sit. Well, some people have taken this a little too much to heart. The absurdity of it is, is lost on them, and uh, things like this happen. My girl here wants me to come out of the elevator so she can come out of the elevator. Because it's a small space we're supposed to maintain social distancing. I don't understand why you can't just 
politely step but out to allow me out of the elevator. When I asked you nicely, you want to stand in the elevator with me? And catch it. Look, you're not making sense, honey. You might as well get up at your floor. I'm trying to you're get up at my floor. I can't come close to you. You are a delivery person incorrectly wearing the mask inside is of this, a big Is this incorrectly worn, guys? Is this slightly. incorrectly worn? It wasn't like that the whole time. <laughs> oh, this is what happens when you watch too much CNN. I can't go near you! There's about a one in a million chance that the two seconds in which I pass you, I'll get the... <laughs> oh my gosh, people have lost their minds! But this is what happens, just the drip, drip, drip of unnecessary anxiety from the panic porn brigades around COVID-19 every day, every day. I got COVID, I did all the things they told you to do, mask up, social distance, got COVID anyway. You don't know how, I don't know how I got it, you don't know how you get it, it just happens. But they act like, if only you wear your mask correctly, you'll be fine. Sure you will. On to a more serious, well, that's serious too, actually, in its own way. But here's something that's kind of scary. A prominent BLM activist has uh, let it be known what expectations are if the trial of Derek Chauvin up in Minneapolis does not go as demanded. If George Floyd's murderer is not sentenced, just know that all hell is going to break loose. Don't be surprised when buildings are on fire. Just saying. I mean, I, I, I don't think we'll be surprised, but that's shameful, right? That's disgusting. You don't burn down innocent people's homes or businesses because of a trial that actually doesn't have anything to do with any individuals who aren't in the trial in terms of criminal culpability, right? You don't burn down someone's house because a trial that they have no part in didn't go the way you want to, but... You know, the activist class thinks that they can do whatever they want. The rules, the laws don't apply. Fortunately, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis is out there slapping down the liars in the media. This 60-minute saga is just getting better with every passing day. Here's DeSantis just saying, oh, no, we're not done here yet. They cut out everything that showed that their narrative was a piece of horse manure. Um, and it shows you how dishonest. These are smear merchants. That's why nobody trusts corporate media, uh, they are a disaster in what they're doing. They knew what they were doing was a lie. I know corporate media thinks that they can just run over people. Uh, you ain't running over this governor. I'm punching back. Punching back. Republicans need to learn to do that all across the country. You can fight back or you can lose. That's the, that's the actual political and just general culture that we're in. You can either push back on people that are wronging you or that have the wrong ideas or else live with the consequences. That's it for tonight's Hold the Line. The No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is next. Shields high.